I'm Caesar, and you're listening to Sound Encounters, a music podcast where I explore new and classic releases, different genres, and your favorite artists and bands. I hope you're staying safe and you're staying healthy, and I hope you're having a great day. You know, recently I was thinking about how much I missed shopping for records and and going to the record store and, and finding records that have been on my list for for quite a while and i know what you're thinking can't you just you know go to amazon go to discogs probably buy a record off of there probably for cheaper too but for those of you uh record collectors who have been to a record shop before you can't deny that there's just this amazing feeling of going to a record store sifting through the records and finding the exact record that you've been looking for for quite a while there's nothing better than that feeling i guess i've had records on my mind for a while as i've been listening to new uh, albums that i want to add to my collection and and funny enough i I had a dream a couple nights ago where i found uh, a godspeed you black emperor record it was uh, f sharp a sharp infinity and I remember in the dream, I specifically wanted the uh, Trains variant of that record. And there's like a several prints of that record. And one of them has a train featured on the cover. And I remember that dream ended with me buying that record. Um, and now I don't have that record. So it's been on my list for quite a while, especially the Train variant. So I just find it kind of funny that that record in that specific print uh, appeared in my dream. You know, it also sucks because I was supposed to see the experimental rock group Swans a couple weeks back, but of course, because of the pandemic, that show was canceled. And and luckily that show was getting rescheduled. I, I, I still have a chance to see them in 2021, possibly, and my, my ticket is still valid. I think I'm still waiting on information for that or, or everyone who bought a ticket to, uh, for this recent swans tours uh waiting for information and and yeah it just sucks like swans has been on my um concert bucket list for quite a while and i was so excited to see them and i was so upset when they were canceled but you know i understand the circumstances i can wait for another year if i have to so it's no biggie it just it just sucks and all these big festivals are being pushed back to next year which i'm also completely fine with as most of these festivals seem like they are keeping the same lineup that was supposed to be for this year and man i just know that the first time i can set foot in a record store again or the first time i'll be able to go back to a concert i'm just gonna feel immense joy I have a great show for you today. I'm going to be talking about Radiohead and their discography. I'm going to take a look back through their records and possibly rank them from worst to best. And I'm looking forward to that since Radiohead is one of my favorite bands, a band that means a lot to me. So I was pretty excited to go back through their discography and listen through all of their albums once again. But first, before we get to that, we have to take a look at this past week in music. All right, so this past week in music brought us uh, a handful of albums and a couple of singles that I want to go over. And usually I go over the singles first before the albums because singles are, are pretty easy to talk about. What we got this past week were two singles, at least two singles that I listened to, 
first we got My Religion Is You by The Flaming Lips. And uh, I was pretty surprised to hear this song because didn't we just get a Flaming Lips release last year? Um, haven't really been excited about any recent Flaming Lips releases. And I thought the last project, which I, I can't even remember the name right now, was all right. It was, it was you know, wasn't too memorable, wasn't too bad. It was just all right. And, and I didn't think we would be getting another project so soon. And uh, this is the second single that they've released for their 2020 album, American Head. And, I, I, you know, I guess it's got some cute lyrics. It's a love song that ties religion together in this weird way. You know, talking about, you know, if you're Christian, that's all right. But my religion is you, baby. It, you know, it, it's fine. It's a slow tempo psychedelic rock song with this acoustic guitar like breakdown that I, I didn't really care for. It didn't really interest me. And, and I felt like I was going to fall asleep listening to this song. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've kind of lost faith in the Flaming Lips. Uh, their stuff really isn't as good as, as their early work. And, you know, how can you compare it to the Flaming Lips's early works? And uh, we also got a single from Bright Eyes. This one is called Mariana Trench. They have a album coming out later in the year. And it, this is another single where I just wasn't really too interested. You know, we have that typical indie pop progression here. And nothing really stood out. Nothing really interesting here as well. They're another band where I, I find their early work so much more interesting than stuff they are, are putting out right now, or recently, I should say. But let's get into the full-length releases from this past week. I, I, I've been seeing a lot of buzz from this new Haim record. I, I think it's called. they're called Haim. They're, they're sisters, the sisters Haim. Um, but they released a new record, the third full-length release, Women in Music part three. Now, I, I've never heard their stuff before. Uh, I've heard a lot about them. I, I, I don't know why I haven't really listened to them as it seems like like their music's pretty much up my alley. Indie pop, alt country. Just I just held off on listening to them for a while now and I thought this would be a great place to start, especially since it has been getting a lot of buzz. I've seen a lot of good reviews on this record and, and frankly, I just don't see it. I mean, the first couple of songs were pretty great. There were a good mix of indie pop, alt country. I could even hear a little bit of alternative dance in, in these songs. But after that, I, I don't know. I, we just get these typical and boring indie pop songs. I, I pretty much had the same complaints with this album as I did with last week's Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers. You know, I'm not one to really nitpick repetitive lyrics or, or repetition within song structures. In fact, I think it could be done really well. But there's a difference between style or just making something sound cool versus making something sound really lazy. And I think the lyrics here get really repetitive in a lazy and annoying way. The worst offender being don't wanna. It's just the same three words repeated in the last like five verses and I just wanted it to end. And some songs that I thought started off pretty well just get ruined by this repetitiveness. I've Been Down is a perfect example of this. I thought that was a great track for the first half of the song until, you know, it gets ruined by these repetitive and lazy lyrics. Also, these songs are, are generic as hell. Generic love songs, longing for an ex-lover. We've all heard these songs before and done better. You know, lyrics like, are we going to give it another try? I don't want to give up on you. It's, again, songs we've heard before, songs done better. I, I just haven't been impressed. 
And on the instrumental front, doesn't really offer much here either. These arrangements pretty much bored me. Although I really did like the syncopated chords from Man from the magazine. I thought that was actually a pretty good song near the end of the track listing uh, after we got all these just repetitive and dry songs. And also on that song, the lo-fi production or, or lo-fi-esque production sounds really good as well. But for the most part, not really impressed with this album. I don't really see myself revisiting this album in the future. Sorry, Haim. And speaking of albums that I don't see myself revisiting in the future, we have Remo Drive's A Portrait of an Ugly Man. Now, I have a turbulent history with Remo Drive. I feel like a lot of Remo Drive fans have a turbulent history with this band as I really loved Greatest Hits, their first full-length album. They displayed a talent for creating these fun and catchy emo and, and pop punk songs. Even after listening to this album, this their more recent album, I went back and listened to Greatest Hits. And a lot of those melodies are so memorable. A lot of those songs are really memorable. And then their second full-length release, Natural Everyday Degradation. And I cannot remember a single melody, a single track from that release. They fell off so hard and switched to making these bland, generic, I want to say pop punk. They're they're making pop punk. They didn't really switch to indie rock yet, or maybe they're making the slow transition to indie rock on that record. But I don't remember it. I didn't want to re-listen to it before I, I reviewed this record. But that was such a bland release, and I was so upset. I was hoping this would be a comeback for the band, but I, I gotta say, I have the same issues as I did with the last release. Although, I will say, A Portrait of an Ugly Man is just the teeniest bit better than the last release. And also, I want to get this straight, I, I, I take no issue with bands wanting to change up their sound. In fact, I love it when bands change up their sound. I love it when they experiment, when they play around with other sounds. But the issue I have is when they don't really put their personality or they don't have their own interesting take on it. Because most of these songs on here are uninteresting, run-of-the-mill indie rock tracks that I could care less about. But I don't think they really get it. There's a song on here called The Night I Kidnapped Remo Drive. And on that song, they talk about how they know that their fans are upset about this new direction that they're taking. And basically, they're telling the fans to just suck it up. They're going to do what they want to do. I also think that's a really bad message to get across. I think Weezer did something similar back when they sort of changed up their sound and, and when they didn't really produce music that sounded like the Blue Album or Pinkerton. And basically flipping off the fans is not a good response to to criticism at all. But I mean, there are some highlights on this record. I still think Eric Paulson's vocals are a highlight in any Remo Drive record. He knows how to carry a tune. And his falsetto, when he goes really high, when he gets really emotional with his delivery, it's just great. It's just great to hear his vocals. If I had to pick a highlight from this record, it would be Dead Man. Easily the best example of Paulson's vocals and the best example of his falsetto delivery. And to be fair, I'm a sucker for punchy and tropical-sounding guitar melodies in my indie rock. Ode to Joy 2 wasn't terrible either. That was a single that was released before uh, the full album came out. It's another vocal highlight from Paulson. Not too crazy about the lyrics, but I think Paulson shines on this track as well. But yeah, much like the last record, my complaints are that they don't create interesting songs here. Just more bland indie rock. These melodies don't stick out in any way except for Dead Man and possibly Ode to Joy 2. I think they really say it best in the opening song, A Guide to Live By, 
Paulson sings, I can't remember who I am. And yeah, that's that's the best phrase I would use to describe remote drive in 2020. All right, let's get to the really interesting stuff I listened to this past week. We've got another abstract hip hop record that came out this past week. If you know me already, I think I've already covered like I think two abstract hip hop records on this show. I've been trying to find every 2020 abstract hip hop release. I already talked about the new Arm and Hammer, talked about the new Madani. I didn't cover Descendants of Cain on this show, but I did a write up on my Medium account, medium.com forward slash at Cesar Torres. You know, shameless plug. But I've been so intrigued by every abstract hip hop release that we have gotten so far this year. And so we've got another record from Mike, East Coast abstract rapper. The last time we heard from him was last year on Tears of Joy. And now we have Weight of the World. Uh, I just have to say the production here is stellar, grade A stellar here. The album jumps around different moods, different sampling. Uh, For example, we have a song like Alert that sounds really desolate and and dark. And then you could jump to the end of the record on All Star, which sounds very optimistic, uses a lot of uh, what I'm guessing is soul sampling. I feel like a lot of these uh, samples are from soul songs. Then we have 222 which features these fractured piano keys. And underneath, if you if you listen closely, the piano keys are are submerged or or just far away and creates this this void-like listening experience that really intrigued me on first listen. We have a song like What's Home, which is broken up into two parts. The first part has this mellow and hypnotic trance beat. And once the beat switch occurs, we get a more clearer soul sample focused loop until the song concludes. Then we have other tracks that are very Vaporwave inspired, Plans being one of them. And I love it when an artist will use Vaporwave in their production, use it as part of the beat. Mike also has a sample and these drums that are very fractured, like they are both stumbling over each other as the song progresses. It's really interesting. We also get psychedelic madness on tracks like Get Rich Quick Scheme and Discreets. Discreets being a bit dreamier. And I really like the lo-fi vocals from both Mike and featured artist Jadesia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that was a nice touch. Sounds really good. And then we get a track like Weight of the Word, which is a remix of a song he released earlier in the year, Nothing to Say, Never Forget, which has a sample of a Morris Moriah song. I'm, again, butchering these names. Uh, except I wouldn't really call it a remix as it's more tacked on to the end of this song. It's another two-part song. The first part featuring a a soul or R&B sample, but then the second part, which is taken from Nothing to Say, is way more interesting. The way that Mike speeds up and loops the original song to create this rhythmic movement is incredible. You have to listen to that track. It's one of the highlights off of this record. A lot of the lyrical content on this record focuses on Mike's mother as she passed away this year. And and a lot of the songs on here seems like a cathartic exercise for him. He's really getting this off of his mind. He's still grieving. He's still going through the grieving process. Get Rich Quick Scheme has a line, uh, the last line of the song, in fact, that said, you think I did it all for figures? It was all for her. His goal with his music wasn't to make money. It, it was more for to make his mom proud. His mom was a very prominent figure in his life and a very prominent figure in his music. Uh, just listen to last year's Tears of Joy. In other songs, I, I feel like are what happens after he buried his mother. He talks a lot about his self-pity. You know, he's drinking and smoking his problems away. 
He's less determined in his work. He's not setting goals for himself. In in a song like What's Home, the first part of the song talks about his self-destructive behavior. And in No No, he talks about getting faded to cure his pain. And in Weight of the Word, he specifically talks about his mother and talks about uh, grieving and, and, and how that's affecting him. However, Mike does get optimistic as the second part of What's Home talks about his healing and in Weight of the Word, after talking about burying his mother, you can hear in his voice that he, he's doing a bit better. He's he's learning to recover, learning to live without his mother. And, and that's always a difficult thing, but you know, he needed this opportunity. He needed this album to grieve, to let himself feel the pain. You can hear the emotion in the more painful songs, the more desolate songs. His delivery is very lethargic throughout the entire record, but when he's feeling down, you can definitely hear it in his voice. The only problem I really had with this record is that there's a stretch of songs midway through the album that start with him going, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and it just got, I, I just noticed it and it got really annoying. Uh, and, and it was just like a stretch of like several songs. But other than that, this is a beautiful record. I, I'm a fan of Mike's work, and this is another great addition to his discography. And now let's move on to the last record I want to talk about Kick One by Arca. Whenever I talk about Arca, it's really difficult as I feel like Arca belongs in a genre of their own. Because much like other Arca projects, we get this mind-bending production. We get a lot of glitchy goodness, metallic beats. It, it's musical madness, and, and it's all over the place, but in a very good way. We get hypnotic electronic songs with a Latin influence as Arca is Venezuelan. And then it quickly switches to that glitchy madness that I was talking about. I'm specifically talking about the third track, which I cannot pronounce. Not even going to try. Or on another track, Rakiki, which is a name I can't pronounce. It's a eclectic synth wave and rave song with these electronic oddities to make the song really stand out. And it kind of stands out in a horrifying way. There's a lot of horrifying decisions that Arca makes, but I'm a fan of it. I love when electronic producers and artists go the horrific route, as I think EDM or, or the or the typical dance beats are, are really played out. And it, it's just a sound that signifies the 2020 futuristic pop movement. But also, you know, it's not all terrifying. We get a song like Calor, which features these warm electronics, slow-moving vocals, splintered piano keys that are kind of somber. Or we get a song like Afterwards, which is basically a Bjork song. And you can't really go wrong with that. It's Bjork. The music's going to be beautiful. Her vocals are going to envelop you. She's going to take her time to amaze you, the listener, and, and really feel the emotion behind her delivery. And this is another track that highlights the kind of beauty of electronic music. It is very airy and it is very harsh, but still very ethereal and, and very calming in a way. And then we get the best collaboration of the year, Arca and Sophie. As you can imagine, this is a bonkers track. We get these heavy, processed drum and synth sequences that were just amazing to listen to. Another highlight, Lachiki. Lachiki? Might be pronouncing that wrong as well. Uh, but it's a it's the track featuring Sophie on it. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm not doing this album justice just by talking about it. Definitely listen to it, especially if you're a fan of Arca and glitchy production and genre-bending production. I think Kick One 
it is definitely going to be on my best of 2020 list by the end of the year. Such a, a fantastic and mind-blowing record. And that concludes this past week in music. Stay tuned. I'll be talking about Radiohead after the break. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Sound Encounters. Before the break, I had promised that I was going to go over Radiohead in a new segment called A Look Back At. What I plan to cover for A Look Back At is is a band or artist's uh, history, brief history, actually, uh, and their discography, their their projects that they released. And, and it offers me an opportunity to listen back to a band or artist's work as you know especially Radiohead it's been so long I feel like maybe a year or two since I've actually heard their material or heard one of their albums uh, from front to back and they've been on my mind recently I've been meaning to listen to them so I was just like fuck it why not let's just listen to Radiohead's discography again and 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 analyze it talk about it discuss it and all that good stuff and after I'm done going over their history, their discography, I want to do something fun and and rank their their full-length albums from worst to best, or what I feel is their worst to their best. So without further ado, let's take a look back at Radiohead. Radiohead is an English rock band that formed in 1985 in Oxfordshire, or Oxfordshire, I'm not sure which is the correct pronunciation. The band comprises of Philip Selway, Ed O'Brien, Colin and Johnny Greenwood, and the man, the myth, the legend himself, Tom York. Radiohead is an important band in the art and experimental rock scene. And they're they're an important band to me as they were the first band to kind of kickstart my musical journey, as I like to call it, my deeper exploration into other music genres. You know, they were the first one to really open my eyes to what could be done with rock music and exploring different sonic palettes within rock music and and experimenting with different instruments and and electronics and yeah I, I was obsessed with this band when I first discovered them and and it was such a joy to listen back to their discography there's even an album that I have not even listened to until just very recently when I decided to do this segment and that album is their first full-length release Pablo Honey released on April 20th 1993. Why did it take me so long to listen to this record? Well, it gets a bad rap, honestly. I think people compare this record to a lot of their older work, a lot of their critically acclaimed work, like their third and fourth album, and and they realize that it's not as experimental, it's not as artsy as some of their later works. And because of that, they view this album as simplistic and as bland, but having listened to this for the first time, I can tell you that it's not as bad as everyone says. Yes, there are some songs on here that are bland, that can be written off as generic, but there are some really good songs on here. During these days, the band were more focused on an alternative rock Britpop sound, and that comes across you know, right from the start on this album. But if you're like me and you listen to literally every single Radiohead album, before this one, a lot of these songs will be jarring. For example, Stop Whispering was a song that was 
particularly jarring for me. You know, Radiohead's not a band that I would classify as optimistic or or bright or hopeful, yet this song is very bright. It's very optimistic. The bright, heavily reverbed guitars were something that I wouldn't distinguish with Radiohead's sound, nor Tom's very, you know, elated vocals and his message basically telling the listener not to be afraid to express themselves. You know, it's not really a topic that Radiohead explores it, it, it is pretty weird to hear tom being so sunny so optimistic and, and to hear the guitars reach this almost shoegazy level was pretty incredible pretty it, it offered a new insight into how the band operated and how the band sounded like after avoiding this album for like four years the band's most notable attributes can also be heard as early as this record you know, we got York's distinguishable voice. You know, it's very melancholic. It's it's very nasally. His singing voice can be best described as moaning or, or wailing. And I'm not trying to knock the guy. I, I personally like his singing voice. I know I know a lot of people just don't really gravitate towards his voice when they started listening to Radiohead, but you know you're gonna get these nasally wailing vocals from frontman Tom York. And another characteristic of the band that can be heard as early as Pablo Honey is Johnny Greenwood's just masterful guitar work, masterful compositional work and arrangement work. He really is the backbone of Radiohead's sound and and style. And frankly, I think he's becoming my favorite member of the group. I, I really am a fan of his compositions. You get a song like Ripcord, which is another fantastic guitar melody despite how simplistic it is and, and, and very like generic alt rock it is i can't help but feel like this is also a really great song really great moment for greenwood to shine and then you have a song like anyone can play guitar which is also like kind of you know you get radiohead fans who say like oh i don't like pablo honey but i like anyone can play guitar that's a really great song and it really is a great song it surprised me as it began with a cacophony of guitars and feedback but eventually it gives way to this groovy bass line and those screeching guitars are just so freaking good. That's a really great song. Or you have a song like Blowout, which starts as this groovy, subtle song, but slowly it builds up until you hear this overwhelming wall of noise at the end. It was a really fantastic closer and another song that gets dangerously close to the shoegaze label. But still, that's another standout track from this record. And of course, we have to talk about it. This record features Creep, the song that made them popular, the song that fans and and even the band hate, uh, just notoriously hate because, you know, it, it, I guess it signifies a time in the band's career where they weren't experimental. They were just making by the numbers alt-rock music. But it is a staple of alt-rock. It's so, it's such an iconic song. I even hated this song uh, when I heard that people hated this song. But, and you know, to be fair, it is overplayed on like rock stations, rock radio stations, or alt rock radio stations. But you can't deny those iconic lyrics and that stellar chord progression here. Just a great song. You know, I don't think this band would have found the level of fame that they have now if not for this song. But like I said, not everything is memorable here. And we do have a lot of cliched Britpop songs here. But, you know, we all got to start somewhere. 
And to me, Pablo Honey isn't the worst start. It actually is a fairly decent record. Fast forward two years, March 13th, 1995, with their second release, The Bends. It should be noted that starting here, engineer and producer Nigel Godrich started working with the band on every release uh, since The Bends. He's pretty much become the sixth member of Radiohead, honorary sixth member of Radiohead, I guess. Right off the bat, we see significant improvements from Pablo Honey. The band was getting more bold and daring in their arrangements and their performances. This record is really classified by the dense guitar rifts and dreamy atmospheres throughout the record. This is evident on the first track, Planet Telix, which features a lot of delay effects and the roaring guitars that I liked so much on Pablo Honey. We also got Johnny Greenwood just showing off on tracks like Just and The Bends. And you could hear those amazing guitar riffs, especially on Just. I love hearing the chords climb until they are just screeching. And then we have a song like Street Spirit Fade Out, the closing track on this record that really does capture that dreamy essence that I was talking about earlier. This song is comprised of airy synths, jangly guitars, and York's vocals that seem to like lull you into a sleep. It's, it's very dreamy. Lyrically, though, it's it's depressing. It's hopeless as Tom sings of death and the meaninglessness of life. But with the bends, we are already seeing the band taking big steps to improve their sound as well as improve their songwriting structure. On June 16th, 1997, the band releases OK Computer, another mass improvement over the last record. This record is considered by many to be their best record, as well as one of the best albums of all time. And I think it's mainly due to the fact that they really nailed down their song structure. They're really nailing down their sound. We're seeing tighter and focused songwriting here. But I guess it doesn't hurt that we see the band incorporating elements of ambient music and electronic into their style. They really wanted to focus on electronic textures. And because of that, people were labeling this record as art rock, as avant-garde rock. Like, there was so much praise for this record when it first came out. And it was funny because I think the label didn't really expect it to sell well as they thought that the sound on this record would just was just so weird, was just so left field. We'll talk about left field in a bit. But let's talk about the songs on OK Computer, because the songs here are just so freaking good. The album starts with Airbag, one of my personal favorites, one of my favorite intros to a Radiohead record. I will say that there are jangly guitars on here. Uh, we still have Tom's very nasally, whiny vocals. The difference here is that we hear metallic drums, there's a tambourine on here, and we hear strings that fill the harmony. There are moments on here as well where the jangly guitars do feel a bit eerie and they, they sound a bit unnatural. And there's even like these sound effects that add to this creepy atmosphere. So already we're, we're hearing just a different Radiohead, a different sound that the band is willing to experiment with. And then we got a song like Paranoid Android, which follows Airbag. This is an excellent three-part suite that's divided into sections that are eerie and aggressive and ethereal. Johnny Greenwood really shines on this song. This is 
really his song, especially on the finale of this song. He really cuts loose. Possibly my favorite Johnny Greenwood performance on any Radiohead record. The guitars on Subterranean Homesick Alien uh, fittingly sound cold and alien-like. And this is juxtaposed by the warm, smooth jazz synths in the background. That was a song where I had to take my time with it. I didn't really get it at first, nor did I really appreciate it until just very recently. Then we have the noisy jam of electioneering, the chilling, soft song of exit music for a film that eventually explodes into this haunting crescendo at the end. Fitter Happier is a personal favorite for me. It's a it's a short interlude that follows Karma Police, and it's sung by like a computer, one of the computers that you know, the band had at the time. Could have been an inspiration for the processed vocals on the next album, I don't know. But there are so many just moments we can go over on and on and on, but, but this segment has to end eventually. Just if you haven't listened to OK Computer yet, please do yourself a favor. This is an iconic arts rock album. An album that everyone should hear. Just press pause right now and go listen to OK Computer if you haven't. And then come back and then or process your feelings on that record. It's 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 a lot to take in. But you know, we can we can get through it together. Following the release of OK Computer, they went on touring the globe promoting that fantastic album. And it wasn't until another three years later, on October 3rd, 2000, that they released their fourth full-length album, Kit A. We hear another dramatic shift in their sound that focuses more on abstract songwriting and places an even bigger emphasis on electronic soundscapes, more so than OK Computer. You know, it really hits you right in the face on the first track, Everything in Its Right Place. Everything in its right place starts with these icy, lifeless synths that would throw anyone off, whether this is their first or fourth Radiohead record. And then Tom's vocals come in, and we are introduced to another characteristic of this record, which are Tom's heavily processed vocals that make him sound robotic-like. And it should be noted that the lyrics here are, are pretty nonsensical, and I think this was intentional as we are meant to feel the emotion behind the music and York's vocals and, and pay less attention to the lyrics, even though they are absurd, as he's talking about sucking on a lemon. I was talking about Tom's processed vocals on everything in its right place, but the next track, Kid A, the title track, takes that to a whole other level. Honestly, he doesn't even sound like himself. I thought I was hearing another robot or computer saying the lyrics to this song. Tom's vocals here are very haunting and, and creepy. This is another track that features very nonsensical lyrics, again, intentionally, as the music alone on this track creates this lonely and depressed feeling that is just meant to hit the listener very hard, and we're not meant to process the lyrics in any meaningful way. If you take a look at what was happening behind the scenes with the band, this dramatic shift, this turn towards these lifeless and, and eerie soundscapes really start making sense. York has described the intense touring cycle of OK Computer as really taking a toll on him. Around this time, he also started feeling a bout of depression coming on. And to add to all of that, the band was very close to splitting up as there were disagreements to 
how Radiohead as a band was going to move forward. So I guess it would make sense that Kid A would sound like more robotic, more lifeless, a bit more depressing. But, you know, I would argue that this brought out some of the best Radiohead songs ever. You know, we got a song like How to Disappear Completely, which is a a very minimalist piece. We do have somber guitar strumming and this underlying ambient drone that is later filled with swelling strings and Tom's melancholic wailing. But this song also tells the perspective of Tom while Radiohead was touring uh, OK Computer. We also get lyrics of his anxieties and wanting to get away from the spotlight and just sort of go back to that isolated feeling, which is, again, another reason why this album sounds like it's isolated, like it's lonely, like it's sheltered from the world. At the same time, we have these very traditional, or as traditional as they are going to get on this album, uh, sounding rock songs, songs like Optimistic, and the national anthem are, are mainly driven by guitars. But Radiohead can't stop themselves from getting a little experimental, as Optimistic has this little jazz number at the end of the song, and the national anthem has an- another song that features very heavily processed vocals, as well as a cacophony of horns that just steal the spotlight away from the main guitar riff. And then the band takes its opportunity to explore electronic soundscapes, uh, Tree Fingers being this very solemn, ambient piece. And then there's a song like Idiotech, another song that's just artificial. It's just so cold. But the electronic looping featured in this track is just so mesmerizing. It's groovy even. You know, it's a song that you could probably dance to, as weird as that is. This is another album I could go on and on about, probably more so than OK Computer, as this was my first Radiohead album, and this was the first album to really open my eyes to what rock music can do with these electronic um, explorations. But yeah, if, if again, if you haven't listened to this record, pause this, listen to the record, and then come back. I had such a great time re-listening to this record again, having gone probably years not having listened to the album in full. But enough about Kid A. Uh, A year later, Radiohead followed up this album with Amnesiac, released on June 4th, 2001. A lot of these songs actually were recorded during the Kid A sessions. But the band will let you know that this isn't any B-side collection. It stands on its own, apart from Kid A, and is as strong as their previous releases. We do get uh, similarities in sounds though, however. We still have those electronic and mechanical textures and we have that abstract songwriting, but it seems like the electronics are a little more subtle this time around and it creates this different feeling, this different sound for this record that's completely just separated from Kid A. We also have this emphasis on jazz and and jazz-like qualities. A song like Knives Out features this very jazz-like drum rhythm. But again, our perception of jazz rock is warped whenever the dreamy guitar chords start playing and we get that famous York wailing. And exploring more into that jazz number, we get a song like Life in a Glass House, which was actually recorded after the Kid A sessions, but written sometime after they had released OK Computer. It's a weird timeline. But this is where the jazz influences really start coming out. 
the arrangement for the song was recorded with brass and reed instruments. Johnny Greenwood has even come out saying that they wanted to capture the sound of a New Orleans funeral procession. We have other electronic explorations, like the opening track, Packed Like Sardines in a Crushed Tin Box. This song kind of starts off weird, as we hear this weird banging as like you're hitting a spoon up against the pan, like in a rhythmic fashion. And then this is joined by this anemic electronic looping. And then we have York's apathetic delivery, which is robot-like, and his vocals are processed towards the end of the song that makes him sound even more like a robot. But the electronic influences here are a bit more subtle. It's not in-your-face like Idiotech from Kid A. But what is in-your-face like Idiotech, probably even more so than Idiotech, is the third song on this record, Polk, Push Revolving Doors. Uh, God, this is this has to be one of their weirdest excursions yet. York's vocals here are, again, processed to hell. He sounds like what I would imagine the little guy on the album art would sound like, the, the little guy that's crying. This song uh, just doesn't shy away from any abrasive electronic textures. It just really assaults your ears with the glitchy industrial sounds that, again, are, are really overwhelming. But but I, I absolutely love it. Probably one of their most avant-garde songs yet. <laughs> um, trust me, it, this song is best heard with headphones on. And then wrapping up the discussion of this album, uh, we have one of their best songs on here, Pyramid Song. God, this song is just absolutely gorgeous. The slow-moving, mystifying piano chords introduce the song. I think it really just plays throughout the entire song, but you hear that emotional impact right from the beginning. And then this emotional quality is amplified by these swelling strings that come near the end. It's a song that feels very apocalyptic, and and I think York's lyrics here really back this up, as his mood here is more sorrowful than anything. But, but listen to these lyrics. And we all went to heaven in a little rowboat. There was nothing to fear and nothing to doubt. These lyrics repeat towards the end of the verse, especially the last verse. This was another song that I just didn't really get when I first heard it, but after repeated listens, it just it just unfurls. And and I, I really like music like that, that just takes its time for you to process it. And you will eventually come back to it. But on first listen, it might not hit you as immediately as it might with others or or as it did with me. Amnesiac was actually an album that I I kind of just disliked and, and wasn't really interested in when I first heard it. But after returning to it, I think about a year ago maybe, I, I just realized how fantastic this album is. It really is a strong contender for one of Radiohead's best. And it, it, it really is overlooked and it really is underrated. But uh, yeah, this album is fantastic. Radiohead followed up Amnesiac with Hail to the Thief, which was released on June 9th, 2003. We more or less see a return to form on here. This album focuses on guitar-driven melodies. However, they do incorporate electronic influences on here. We have programmed drums, we have synths, and we still have manipulated vocals. This album does get criticized a lot for being a bit bloated, too much filler on here. That being said, I think some of their best songs are featured on here. We get a rock rager like 2 plus 2 equals 5, another standout intro track to a Radiohead record. 
I, I love the aggressive and explosive riffs here, as well as York's energetic vocals. Uh, one of the rare times we see York being energetic, but more importantly, this is another Johnny Greenwood masterpiece. We also see lyrics criticizing President George W. Bush as he was president during 2003, as well as those who blindly followed him. And God, I just love those blown out riffs and that heavy percussion on Mixomatosis. Just two, both both two plus two and uh, Mixomatosis, just absolute freaking ragers. We also get this slow buildup of there, there. It eventually crescendos into a heavy distorted riff, but. Uh, from the beginning, you just know that it's going to build up to something amazing. And, and because of that, it just makes the payoff all the better. And then we get a more low-key notes like Sail to the Moon, which features these gentle, lulling guitars and, and very dramatic pianos that eventually fade out. But this is another standout track from Hail to the Thief that I just love. But overall, I think this album, you know, I think it fairly does get criticized for it being a bit bloated. There are a lot of songs on here that I just, no matter how many times I listen to it, it, they just don't stand out in any significant way. Really, if you cut down a lot of these tracks on here, you could make a really fantastic album that would stand up as one of the greats in, in the Radiohead discography. So after the release of Hail to the Thief, the band took a, a little bit of a break. During this time, Johnny worked on film scores, most notably Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. That's a fantastic film. Definitely watch it. And in July 2006, Tom York released The Eraser, a very low-key album, uh, an, an album that really focuses on the electronic aspects that we hear in like Kid A and, and Amnesiac. Don't have much time to talk about that album, but I, I do remember not really liking it when I first heard it. Um, it's been a while since I've heard The Eraser and since I just wanted to solely focus on Radiohead together as a band and not on the solo work, um, I'm just I'm just not going to really focus on it. The band returned on October 10th, 2007, when they released their seventh full-length album, In Rainbows. Holy crap, this album is freaking phenomenal. I guess aside from the first two tracks, you can really describe this album as the warmest Radiohead album. It's so comforting to listen to this record. And really, this is all because I think the band wanted to embrace calming arrangements within the music. I mean, you get a song like Weird Fish's uh, Arpeggi, and you hear the tender and dreamy guitars, and... You just can't help but be lulled into just relaxation, discomfort. Eventually, the in, the arrangement of Weird Fishes slowly builds into this whirlwind of emotion. But that initial journey is just so amazing, so wonderful to listen to. We also get these lush instrumentations on tracks like Reckoner. But also, this song does feature these complex arrangements as the guitars and drums play different rhythms as well as different moods as the guitars are, are very hazy while the drums are just keep crashing and crashing. But this song eventually gives away to an even dreamier atmosphere towards the end. There really is no better word to describe this song other than just beauty and, I guess, serenity. It's just a magnificent arrangement. You, That's another song that I would recommend you listen to, as I feel like I'm not giving that song enough justice. Just know that it is a gorgeous composition. 
We also have a more upbeat track towards the end of the record. Jigsaw falling into place right from the beginning. You hear the guitars and drums that just keep building and building. You just know that we're going to get this remarkable climax at the end. And, and, and they do deliver. But this is another song that bursts with emotion towards the end. It, it can be very dizzying and hypnotic. And I would say that this is another moment where Tom York shines. His vocals really do shine. And, and the wailing and the moaning really complement the instrumentation. And then we have other beautiful moments, like on videotape, which is one of my favorite Radiohead tracks of all time. And it really is just a simple piano-driven melody, but it's it's how they create this beautiful moment from that simple melody that really sticks out in Radiohead fans' minds. As I was reviewing uh, these Radiohead projects, I, I just knew that I wanted to get to videotape i just knew that i i was looking forward to that moment and yeah in in rainbows just another standout record love this record moving on to the king of limbs their eighth full-length release released on february 18th 2011 oh man the king of limbs this is a pretty divisive album uh it i think it still is i, I remember having an argument with a friend of mine who also loves Radiohead. And a couple years back, I, I, I really tried to defend this record. But, well, let's just say that I'm, I'm really glad that I got to listen to this album again because I've pretty much taken it out of my rotation. Uh, I mean, what can I say? There really isn't a lot of exciting moments on The King of Limbs. This is an album that is defined by a lot of looping and sampling that creates rhythms and this is very apparent from the first track bloom as the piano and drum loops endlessly it's pretty hypnotic and i will say this is another time where york's moaning also works but i'd be lying to you if i didn't say that this was a very bland song and a lot of the songs on here follow that same structure that bloom does and because of that, it, it results in very unmemorable songs. I will point out two songs that I actually think are pretty well done. Feral also has that looping drum rhythm. Uh, however, it feels like it stumbles over itself. It, it, it gives it a bit of character that Bloom lacks. And York's vocals here are, are very processed. And it, it very much fits this song more than any of the other songs on this record. And then we have Lotus Flower, which I actually, I think that this song has some life in it. I like the drum beat and the drone here as well. And and this is another uh, performance from York on this record that doesn't feel too bad, doesn't feel too pointless. But overall, King of Limbs, just very stagnant, very lifeless, and not in a good way. Luckily, the band followed this album up with a much better record in 2016, A Moon-Shaped Pool released on May 8th, 2016. Here we see electronics kind of take a backseat. We see guitars take a backseat. And we see more of an orchestral and ambient palette to this record. Piano melodies and string arrangements really do define this album. Man, I just wish I can go back to the first time I heard Daydreaming. Damn, that song is just so gorgeous. You know, we have another slow-moving piano melody. 
that is also pretty sad, to be honest. It's beautiful, but it's sad. And I, I guess this is reinforced by York's very somber lyrics of of him saying, dreamers, they never learn. But, uh, you know, damn, it's just so powerful. It's such a powerful track. And it's a track that keeps on giving as we are introduced to these sound effects, these, like, drones or, or processed moans, maybe, that are also, like, nightmarish. It's... It's like a dream gone bad, a dream that transforms into a nightmare. Another track that I feel like I'm doing a shit job at explaining, definitely go listen to that track on your own. Just a magnificent song. And then we have Burn the Witch, which is an urgent and eerie string arrangement. You know, I just love how the strings, they will dip and then they'll rise and then they'll go back to the original melody after the chorus or the bridge. Plus, my God, that intense and chaotic ending is just so freaking good. Another amazing entry in Radiohead's list of amazing songs. Oh, and I forgot to mention another fantastic performance from Tom York. His voice just travels around this soundscape and and, and it just envelops you. Just, just so fucking amazing. And then we go back to uh, uh, another electronic inspired song like full stop i guess i could best define it as a very anxious composition as these ominous scents rise uh from nowhere they slowly fade in and then you add that with this tribal sounding drum beat and this strange ambient sound effect that plays throughout the song and then we get york's lyrics that really just drill into you as he repeats the truth will mess you up and then eventually you really messed up but it's played off in a very hypnotic way. Uh, this is the only time I'm really okay with repetitive lyrics, as it's less annoying and, and, and more really in reinforcing the feeling that we get on a song like this. And then finally, I gotta talk about the closer, True Love Waits. One of my favorite Radiohead songs, probably the most devastating Radiohead song. The pianos here are just deliberately dejected just so fucking heartbreaking tom's lyrics are are meant to accompany the music they're not meant to be nonsensical if you hear his words you hear him just talk about don't leave and and how if you wait long enough your true love will find you and honestly this song has a whole other context once you realize that this was recorded before the death of his partner rachel owen and listening to this now, it's just fucking devastating, just so heartbreaking. And <laughs> if you need a really good cry, listen to True Love Waits. Such a depressing closer to an album that really explores the orchestral and ambient soundscapes. And on that note, uh, that's that's all nine full-length albums that Radiohead has put out it's, that was, it's quite the journey, to be honest, starting from Pablo Honey and then and then working your way up to a moon-shaped pool. This band has just evolved and, and developed so much. I'm so proud of these boys. They're just fucking fantastic work, and I can't wait for LP10. Now, as I promised, I was going to rank these albums in order of worst to best in my eyes. And starting with number nine, I gotta go with The King of Limbs. Holy shit, this album is so fucking boring. 
yeah, I, like I said, I'm really glad I got to listen to this album again because now I'm going to delete it from my Spotify library. I'm going to delete it from my rotation because uh, aside from Lotus Flower and Feral, just really nothing interesting about this record. I can't believe I was going to defend it to my friend like I think just a year or two ago. Yeah, no. King of Limbs is definitely the weakest Radiohead album. And number eight, we got Pablo Honey. Um, I, I, I'm i glad I listened to this album, finally. I'm glad I was able to form my own opinion rather than listen to other people saying, oh, it's bad, there's nothing really worth checking out on this album. Um, I, I, I do have a soft spite for a lot of Britpop songs, especially that... Uh, especially ones that incorporate heavy, heavily reverberated guitars. That's just my fucking jam. And there are a lot of good songs here in Pablo Honey, including Anyone Can Play Guitar, Blowout, Stop Whispering, uh, fucking Ripcord, Creep even. Uh, yeah, listen to this album. If, if you're a Radiohead fan and you've avoided this album because of people telling you that this album is bad, just, just listen to it to form your own opinion on it. Uh, rather than listening to the the popular consensus. At number seven, we got the Benz. Significant improvement over Pablo Honey. A lot of great arrangements. Uh, a lot of fantastic alt-rock. Even somewhat grunge, I would say, compositions on here. Real standouts are Street Spirit, Just, The Benz, Planetelix. Another solid record. At number six, Hail to the Thief. You know, I really want to love this album uh it's got some of my favorite songs on here like they're there mixomatosis two plus two sail to the moon uh sit up stand up which i didn't talk about but that's also another really fantastic song that incorporates electronic elements and it even has this killer fucking breakdown at the end but just too much filler so many songs that just i feel like waste my time that i can't position it any higher other than at number six at number five, A Moon-Shaped Pool, their most recent release from 2016. Yeah, I, I think I love this album on first listen. It's just so gorgeous, so introspective. You got to be in the mood to listen to it, though. Really haunting, really heartbreaking, but also at the same time just stunning and, and, and amazing. At number four, we have OK Computer. This album deserves the praise that it gets. Really put Radiohead on the map. You know, we wouldn't have Kid A without OK Computer. And and they did a lot right in terms of exploring electronic textures, really improving their, their songwriting. It's fantastic. I think the thing that really sets this album back is the second half, as I don't find the second half as interesting as the first. Um, still good songs on the second half, like No Surprises and Climbing Up the Walls. I really love Electroneering. That's a really fucking great song. But I just don't think it's as consistent as the as the first half. Um, but OK Computer is still a fantastic record. At number three, In Rainbows. Wow, this album is gorgeous. It's such a fucking pleasure to listen to this record every time I listen to it. I even mentioned songs like Nude or 15 Step and B- Body Snatchers. Uh, 15 Step and Body Snatchers are, are more of a, a hype songs um, and more electronic based as well we get that heavy riff on body snatchers but i really wanted to focus on the serenity of the other tracks like weird fishes and reckoner and videotape there's even a song uh called house of cards which is another song that you should check out from that record 
Um, but in Rainbows, yeah, I one of my favorite Radiohead albums. My top in my top three, my my third favorite Radiohead album. And number two, we have Kid A. Kid A occupied number one for the longest time. And yeah, it was my first Radiohead album. It has a special place in my heart, as I've said before. A lot of these songs, almost all of these songs, are fucking amazing. The thing that sets back Kid A, this is kind of like the same thing that sets back Amnesiac. But I think the song that I've consistently disliked is Morning Bell. Just not a fan of it. Never been a fan of it. Really sets back this this record from being... Um, my number one, as well as um, a 10 out of 10, a perfect album in my eyes. But yeah, Kid A, uh, really, really fucking good otherwise. Just fantastic fucking album. And that leaves us with our number one, Amnesiac. Which, it's just so hilarious, considering how I fucking hated this record when I first heard it. But man, they do a lot on this record it really does stand as its own record it really is more than just a collection of b-sides from kid a but you know given the first three songs alone we go from eerie electronic song to beautiful piano and string arrangements to abrasive blown out textures and you know going through the other songs we have knives out which is fantastic we have dollars and cents like Spinning Plates, Life in a Glass House, You and Who's Army. Just amazing songs on here. Again, the only song that really keeps it from being a phenomenal 10 out of 10 record is Morning Bell. I think this version of Morning Bell is even worse than the one featured on Kid A as it doesn't take its time to develop. In fact, it feels like we're thrown in the middle of the song and the Kid A version had a better buildup. Uh, it had even warmer synths. Morning Bell, I think, is probably one of my least favorite Radiohead songs, um, if we're not counting literally almost every song on King of Limbs. Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's been my look back at Radiohead, and that has been my ranked list of Radiohead. Um, but I'm curious, how does your ranked list compare to mine? Where does uh, Amnesiac land on your list? What is your favorite Radiohead record? Just shoot me a message. On Anchor, you can send me a voice recorded message on Anchor. You can at me on Twitter at Caesar underscore Torres and just let me know what are your favorite Radiohead records. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I always feel like Radiohead is such a diverse group that multiple fans can have different Radiohead albums as their favorite, as you have a wealth of fantastic albums to choose from. And uh, yeah, I love Radiohead. And this has been a look back at Radiohead. And I think that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. You know, I really feel like covering some shoegaze next week. And I I think I'm going to do that. So you have that to look forward to for next week. But as always, if you have any ideas of what I should cover on the show, you can send them my way on Twitter at Caesar underscore Torres. That's C-A-E-S-A-R underscore Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. Don't forget, you can now listen to this podcast on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Soundstripe for their wonderful selection of music, which I used today. And thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting my little show here. I'm Caesar, and this has been Sound Encounters. I'll see you next week.